0: Would you stand with me as we get ready to celebrate this beautiful, beautiful day. Church, in a world the a time where there's a lot of things we could be focusing on the losses in life, this is a day to remember that our Lord, that our King is a savior and is triumphant today. That he has overcome every single thing that could ever concern us. That he is a king over even the grave itself. So today, let's choose to triumph, let's choose joy let's choose hope over every single thing our circumstances would wish to speak to us all right and if there's something dead in your life believe that it's going to come back to life this morning all right let's worship
1: do you see what i see What I see, I see lightning. I hear thunder. Something's stirring six feet under. Dead things coming back to life again. I believe there's about to be another resurrection. signs and I see wonders I see birds of living color dead things coming back to life again I believe there's about to be another resurrection Come alive. Wake up, sleeper, he is risen, and we are risen with him. Hallelujah, it is finished. See the way nobody in it. He's coming back to life again. I believe there's about to be another resurrection. Resurrection. Come alive, wake up sleeper. He is risen, and we are risen with him. Paradise, Slung you oh, oh, oh. wide open, He is risen, and we are risen with Him. spoke those words, let there be light, and it was, oh, and in that same breath, the stars fell in line, with one voice, creation cries, you'll do all things well, you see, you'll do all things well, so be great. Praise Forever And always Each and every day Lord, I'll be sent to you From our hearts From our souls And our spirits Lost in the dark Up under the dead, I was buried Left to die then I heard your voice calling my name. From the tomb I came alive. You do all things away. From the tomb I came alive, You do all things away. and bring you praise, hallelujah. And when I feel the all you've done, and all the battles you've brought me over, hallelujah. And how he never let me fall, now unto him, Able. Hallelujah! He never let us go. now He never let me fall. Now unto Him who is able, Hallelujah! And when I think all you've done and all the battles you brought me over Hallelujah Hallelujah When I think of all you've done and all
0: thank you for who you are this morning that you didn't leave us in our mess leave us abandoned leave us trying to get to you but hopeless in that attempt broken and battered Lord God sinful and sick but you reached down from heaven you hung on the cross broken and bleeding You died for our sin, but the story wasn't over. Because even though we spent a Saturday wondering what was happening, you were moving behind the scenes. Daddy, help us to remember that you were always moving behind the scenes. Thank you that today we celebrate the stone has been rolled away. You didn't leave us alone in every battle in every battle you brought us through we say hallelujah in every battle lord god you brought us over we say hallelujah jesus today we just want to praise you today we want to stop for a few moments in the midst of the madness of the world in the midst of the busyness of our schedule Just say, you are worthy of our attention. You are worthy of our focus. You are worthy of our praise. Come and receive glory. Come and receive honor. Come and receive all the praise. Let your kingdom come. Come on, church. Let your will be done. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, and together we say amen and amen and amen. Come on, let's give God a shout of glory. Jesus is risen. Hallelujah. He is risen. Back in my old school days, back when I was just a young pup, We'd go to sunrise services at like O oh, Dark 30 on the top of the mountain, Mount Holly, New Jersey. And it would always start by saying this He has risen. And the people would respond, He has risen indeed. Church, He has risen. He has risen indeed. What a great God we serve. Wow. Well, happy Resurrection Day, otherwise known as Easter. Look, I love Christmas. Christmas is awesome. It's, an, it's, 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 it's the most amazing miracle the world's ever seen. That God became flesh and walked among us. But Christmas would be useless without this day. The cross would have been marginalized without this day because you and I do not serve a dead philosopher. We don't serve a good man. We don't serve somebody who just did good things. We serve the King of kings and Lord of lords who died and rose again and is in living right now. Christianity's not a religion. I'm not trying to work my way to God. God worked his way to come to us. That's what we celebrate today. That the door that was once closed is now open. And it's an open invitation. My friends, as we get ready to continue to celebrate this resurrection morning, the empty tomb is an invitation for you and I not to stand on the outside and look in. To not actually just know about what happened, even to celebrate what happened. The tomb is empty. The stone is rolled away because Jesus is saying, come on in. There needs to be no distance between me and you. doesn't matter how you walked in today. doesn't matter what you've walked out of, what you've come through this week. The only choice that we have today is do we want to worship from the outside? Or are we willing to come on in to say thank you? Because he's worthy of our praise. I want to just take a moment to welcome you, to thank you. Thank you for coming out to Connect Church. If this is your first or second time, welcome. Thank you for being here with us today. It's an honor to have you this morning. It really is. Thank you for braving the geese. We obviously live in a wildlife sanctuary now outside. It's craziness. But look, if this is your first or second time, there's going to be a... a, a QR code up there it's actually all around this building it takes you right to just a site that you can learn more about church and we'd love to know a little bit more about you It says how to get connected in there just let us know that you were here let's know how we can pray for you because for us it's not about a service for us this isn't simply about a moment that we get together on a Sunday morning this is about life together and I tried to do life by myself I'm sure many of you have too. doesn't work out very well, does it? We need each other. We need, that's what church is, we need each other. So thank you for being a part of it this morning. What a great day to be in the house. The angels say this, why are you looking for the living among the dead? he is not here he has risen just like he said my god is not a liar my god does exactly what he says he's gonna do and i believe he's gonna do things in you and in me this morning will you believe that with me today will you believe that this morning god wants to do something this morning that's why we're here Well, awesome hey kiddos it's time to follow Pastor Kevin on out can we give the kids a hand as they're going we love this generation we celebrate this generation we celebrate the teachers people pouring in as well hey and as you're being seated give somebody a high five or an air high five next to you wish them a happy Easter tell them it's good to see them tell them they look good this morning tell them you didn't recognize them because they're all dressed up today People are like, Pastor, I don't recognize you. You, you, you. You've got a jacket and a shirt on. <laughs> oh, this is my favorite day of the year. Danielle can tell you, I get up in the morning and I am like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm juiced. And it's not because we're having service. It's because, man, to be honest, there are days in my life that I just give up hope. There's days in my life it's really hard to see the light in the midst of the darkness. But today, today I have no choice. Today I am reminded that there is always light and that darkness has no power to win. That even though there are Saturdays in my life when the tomb seems shut and the heavens seem like brass, I know that my God is moving behind the scenes. Can I just speak to you today, just for a moment, before we get into the word? You may be here today and you may be like, Kyle, you don't understand. Man, the heavens feel like brass. I've been crying out to God. Nothing has changed. Nothing is moving. Nothing is happening. My friends, it's a Saturday moment. But Sunday's coming. My God is moving in ways you can't see and can't fathom. And before you know it, I always love it. Because in the Bible, they call them suddenly moments. Suddenly, Joseph was out of prison. Yeah, after 30 years. Suddenly, right? Suddenly this happened. and Suddenly that happened. It was suddenly to them. Because in that moment, God did something they were unexpected. God showed up. I'm praying. I believe it. I believe it. Christianity for me is not a religion. It is a knowing the Savior, and I know who he is, and he's faithful, and he's true, and he shows up in our darkest hours. He shows up in our lightest hours as well. That's right. It doesn't have to be a valley. Right. Jesus was on the mountaintop with his boys and showed them who he was as well. I'm so glad you're here. You know, for us, one of the things before we hop into the Word, I wanted to just take a moment and celebrate. Not only do we have a phenomenal Good Friday service on Friday night, it's such a beautiful moment to remember what Jesus had done. But this week... We also were able to do our Thy Kingdom Crumb Easter food outreach. And for some of you who may not know, we have a a, a mobile food truck ministry called Thy Kingdom Crumb. And we give out food every week. Sometimes it's via the food truck. Sometimes it's boxes of food that we give away, meals that we give away. This week, we were able to give away hundreds of meals. The line was so long, we had to start almost an hour early. Because the traffic, it was crazy. It was nuts. We got a chance to pray for so many people, but also to see the vast need that our community still exists within. One of the best news on that is that seven people in the midst of that, in the midst of driving through, picking up, getting places, staying in line for hours, accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. For us, that's what it's all about. Food is the means, but Jesus is the end. So thank you for giving and praying and serving. It's all, this is what we, this is what we do. These moments aren't about TKC. It's about us. It's what church is. So good to have you here. Hey, are you guys ready for the word this morning? I am ready for the word. Since you have your Bible, why don't you open with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. John is the fourth book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's written by the disciple John. Who was also an eyewitness to the resurrection. Right. You're getting a firsthand account. This isn't what he heard. This is what he knows. He saw this. If you need a title for today's message, it's take a second look. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you had to take a second look? Like you were sure the first time you saw something, you were like, I'm absolutely sure it's this way. But then after you took a second look, you realized just how wrong you were. Like maybe it was, you were getting, we were getting into a a relationship with someone and you were like, yeah, this is an awesome relationship. But then you took a moment, come on somebody, took a breath, took a step back and you're like, what am I doing? Maybe you got a promising job offer and you were like, this is amazing. But then you took a second look and you realized it wouldn't be a fit for who God created you to be. It's a second look. Maybe it was something as silly as what happened to me a few weeks ago. Uh, I, <laughs> I cook a lot. I love to cook. And I was, I was up in the morning. I get up in the morning, make Danielle and I a coffee. And uh, I, I had my cup of coffee up on the counter. And, and there was another cup up there that had the chicken fat from the grease. Oh. Because you can't pour it down the drink. Right? You can't pour it down there. You put it in a cup. I wasn't really paying attention because it was oh dark 30 in the morning and I grabbed the cup that I knew was coffee (laughs) and just about the time I was about to drink it something in my mind said you better take a second look (laughs) how many of you know I was glad I took a second look because that is just nasty come on the reality is my friends a lot can change with a second look the woman at the well saw a simple prophet until she took a second look. Nicodemus saw a good teacher until he took a second look. Zacchaeus saw an, a, an obstruction to his business success until he took a second look at Jesus. The devil saw a defeated foe hanging on the cross till God gave him a second look at an empty tomb. A second look can change everything. See, my friends, there are assumptions that our soul makes about Jesus, about his truths, about his kingdom, about his church. That at their first impression seem right to us at our first glance. Especially given the modern world we live in, our generation of cynicism, of the rejection of anything absolute. But when you and I are willing to work through the first impression of our current situation, of what we believe God can or can't do, when we're willing to take a second look at the source of our pain, when we're willing to be humble and humble ourselves and change our position for a moment and take a second look at Jesus, at who He truly is, not what religion has made him, not what the modern world has made him, not what your Aunt Sally said about him or your grandmother confessed he was, who Jesus really is. When we're willing to take a second look at that, we might find ourselves transformed from being a simple observer to a follower of his before we even know it. See, my friends, the truth is the, sec- the empty tomb is a second look at the suffering Savior so that we can transition into knowing Him as the resurrected Lord. It's a second look. In this text, Mary Magdalene gets up early on that first resurrection morning. She's headed to the tomb to show her love to Jesus in the very best way that she can, given the circumstance that He's dead And so she goes to anoint his body with ointments so that his body doesn't smell. Which, by the way, I think somewhere along the line, as modern believers, we have begun to take on as our role. Like, our role, the role of Christians today, is just to make sure the body doesn't smell too much. Now, 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 that's that's when you see Jesus only as the suffering Savior. You still see Jesus as the one hanging on the cross. But when Mary runs into the living Lord, everything changes. Her sense of mission changes. Her sense of worship changes. Her sense of intimacy changes. How she handles his body changes. At first glance, she sees an opportunity at mourning. But she takes a second look, and what was once a moment of mourning bursts into a miracle of blessing. I'm believing that for each one of us today. I am actually want to invite each of us, no matter how many times we've heard this story, no matter how long we may have known Jesus, To maybe take a second look this morning at his majesty, at his love, at his power, at his faithfulness, at his compassion. Maybe, just maybe, no matter how many times you've heard it, no matter how long you've known him, what could happen if you and I would just take a second look at Jesus? Maybe things would change. They changed from Mary. Verse 11 says this, but Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down. You can underline that in your Bible. She stooped down and looked into the tomb. She took a second look. And when she saw two angels there sitting in white, one at the head and one at the feet of where Jesus had been, they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord. I don't know where they've laid him." Now when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. So she had a first look. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Same question. Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, if you've carried him away, sir, tell me where you laid him. I'll take him with me. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned. She had a second look. And he says, she says, Rabboni, my teacher. And she begins to cling to Him and begins to worship Him and begins to intimately love on Him in that moment. My friends, what would she have missed if she was not willing to stop and take a second look? How much of Jesus do we miss all, because we already think we know all that we know about everything that we know. We think we know it all. Because we've quoted a few verses, we've heard a few stories, we've been around a few Bible studies, we've been in church, we've heard about the resurrection. We think we know. But the issue is, my friends, at first glance, she had an encounter, but not an awakening. She had experienced a moment, but she still missed the miracle. I think this is what goes on so often as modern believers in America in particular. We often encounter the message, but then we allow our souls, our mind, our will, and emotions to get in the way, and our souls begin, begin to presume the outcome. We begin to presume the outcome of that message. The issue is we've learned, I think, especially as American Christians, we have learned to live off of moments, the moments of a good sermon. The moments of a great service that got me excited. The moments of a breakthrough, the moments of a blessing, the moments of a healing. But we miss the miracle of living a life of intimacy with the resurrected Jesus. She had a moment, but not an awakening. I think the challenge is, like Mary, at times we get locked into the presumptions that we make about God. The presumptions we make about His truth. About the the seeming realities of our situations. The presumptions of our limitations that we have accepted because of our situation. We make presumptions that limit how we see life. Look at Mary. What does she say? He couldn't have risen from the dead. Couldn't. Her presumption was, couldn't have risen from the dead even though the word said he was going to raise from the dead, even though he had told her time and time and time again, well, know, I'm going to die. They're going to bury me. Three days later, I'm going to raise from the dead. Her presumption turned around and said, someone must have taken the body. Which, by the way, is, the, is exactly what the enemy was trying to sell to the world and is still trying to sell to the world. Matthew 28, 13 says that the guards got paid to say that the disciples moved the body. See, my friends, so when we make presumptions about the Word of God, we we actualize the devil's plan to marginalize the work of God in our life. When we make presumptions about the Word of God, we actually marginalize the work of God in our life. Why? Because our presumptions become our limitations. I can't believe beyond this point. They must have taken his body, even though the word said, the word said, the word said. The end result that happens to all of us, all of us, even pastors, elders, deacons, no matter what name you put on, title you put on, is that our soul begins to define the moment and limits our ability to be awakened in our spirit by the miracle. This is why the empty tomb, my friends, is a necessity. We talked last week about how Jesus was setting the table for this moment at the Last Supper when he was celebrating Passover with them. He was setting the table. He actually, in the middle of Passover, takes the bread, takes the bread of affliction, which he is. He breaks it and says, this is my body broken for you. Then he takes linen and he, he takes a linen shroud and wraps the broken body in the linen shroud. He then goes and hides it. It becomes what's called the afakumen. The afficumin in a Passover meal means what comes later. And it's actually when it's found later, when it comes out of hiding later, when it returns later on, is when it seals the deal. When the meal and the purpose of the meal is sealed is when that was the thing that was sh- wrapped in the linen comes back. He was trying to stir them up so that when they saw the grave and the linen inside, he was trying to stir them up to remember, I already told you, I was coming back to seal the deal. He's trying to stir their memory back to Ezekiel 37 in the Valley of Dry Bones. When the Spirit begins to move and dead things live again and the dead things become an army of the Lord. Why? Because he had already told Joshua when Joshua was leading the people into the Promised Land, which is a picture of the abundant life of a follower of Jesus. He said to Joshua, don't worry, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. That's what motivated the psalmist in Psalm 68, 18 to say when the Messiah comes and he ascends, he will lead captives in his train. He will pull us up from out of what we were in. He's trying to stir up for them what, he's, what God's already said about him. But our presumptions limit our perspective on the miraculous. But our presumptions Limit our perspective on the miraculous. And the reality is, my friends, that it's not until she changes her position and stoops down. I love this Greek word for stoops down. It actually means to bend down in order to look intently at something. To bend down to look intently. She's not just changing her position, she's changing her perspective. And when she took a different look, when she changed her position and perspective, the second look awakened worship in her that enabled her to overcome the limitations of her presumptions. By the way, this is what the Word says in Psalm 113 that God does for you and I in order to increase intimacy. The Bible says God stoops down so that he can be with us. Isn't that what Jesus did when he humbled himself? And he took on human flesh and he changed his position so that he could change our perspective on God? Why? Because no one had ever seen the Father. But Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father because I and the Father are one. That the incarnation is God stooping down to change position and perspective of life. It's why James, the brother of Jesus, writes in James 1.25, whoever looks intently, same word, stoops down into the word of God and isn't just a hearer of it, but actually does it, they will live a blessed life. My friends, there's a blessing and a breakthrough in the second look. There's a ble- Come on, I don't care if you've never known Jesus or if you've been walking with him for 70 years, there is a blessing this morning in the second look at Jesus. Amen. And the truth is, however, church, the blessing is found in the knowing, not in the presuming, but the knowing of the resurrected king. Mary had presumed he was the gardener. She thought she knew. Come on, how many of us think we know i know i know i know what the real deal is i know what the outcome is gonna be i know how things really are pastor until come on somebody say until right until i don't know if you've ever done this but i did this a while ago a couple years ago um i was staying in a hotel and uh i presumed that the white substance in the container next to the coffee maker was sugar I presumed I knew it was sugar until I actually drank my coffee and realized it was salt. I thought, come on somebody, I thought I knew because experience, logic, understand. Who would put salt in I don't know who would, but they did. I thought I knew until. The reality is sometimes we may not always recognize Jesus in our situations. She didn't recognize him. But it doesn't sh- stop him from showing up. But it does stop us from worshiping him in those situations. It doesn't stop God from doing what God does. God's going to bless you. God's going to move. God's going to do what God does because he's a good God. Because he's faithful. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. It's not, it doesn't stop God when we don't recognize him. It just stops us from worshiping him, from being grateful, for being thankful, for being intimate with him. And I think if we're honest with ourselves this morning, which I hope is the reason you're here, is that the challenge is that there are things that keep us standing rather than stooping and looking intently into the things of God. That keeps us in our limitations of presumptions. We can see it all through the resurrected event. The event of the it's all it's all through there. Mary's grief had kept her standing outside, unwilling to take a second look. And I get it. At times our grief can be so heavy, can speak so loudly that it shouts down our hope. Especially when it's mixed together with compounded over and over, compounded grief mixed with cumulative weariness the tiredness of it happening again and again and this still being here and I'm still going through it. I get it. It can keep us on the outside. Especially when we begin to mourn the things we think we lost or maybe even the things we did lose. But when we do that, those things become the standard for what we see as the possibility of our tomorrow. They limit us. It's what happens in 1 Samuel 16 when, when, when Samuel, the great prophet, is mourning Saul. Saul had messed up. God was like, I'm done with him. Can't handle it any longer. And Samuel is spending weeks upon weeks mourning Saul. God literally has to shake him. And he comes and says, why are you mourning Saul? I'm trying to do something new in Israel. I'm trying to act. I found a king after my own heart. Stop mourning The problem is we know what we lost more than we know the heart of the one who's moving us forward. We are much more familiar in our lives with our souls than we ever have gotten close to the heart of David. The truth is, my friends, that Mary had already been at the tomb. She'd even brought others to see it, but they left. And I think sometimes... It can be the response of others that keeps us standing on the outside. Why? Because it reinforces our assumptions. Because we believe that they are agreeing with our assessment of the situation. When they left with no hope, certainly we shouldn't have any hope. They're agreeing nothing can happen. They're agreeing the body must have been taken. They're agreeing God can't do anything. They're agreeing you're not going to get healed. They're agreeing. We believe that they are agreeing with our assessment. What we hope for cannot possibly be true. Come on, how many of us have believed? How many of us have followed? How many of us have even brought others along with us? But then the pain comes, and the people walk out, and others agree with our assumptions. So we stay standing, thinking that we are soldiering on for God, but all along missing the miracle of his mercy. Our presumptions. See, Mary, my friends, like us, she had to be willing to change her position to stoop down and to look intently, to look beyond what her eyes told her was the truth in the natural. She had to be willing to face another possible disappointment, to handle the possibility of more pain in order to be willing to take a second look into the situation to see what God could do. Are we willing to go through the possible disappointment or pain to see what God could do. She's not alone in this moment. Thomas, he allowed doubt to keep him standing outside. Until the resurrected Jesus, Jesus actually has to walk through a wall. He has to do that, walk through, oh, right, shows up, and walk through the wall to get his attention. To help him in his doubt. Why? Why does God help him in his doubt? Because, my friends, God knows that you and I are not built to believe for the impossible. We're not. Oh, no, no, we have impossible. We dream the impossible dream. like We dream impossible. But we are not built to trust something we can't see and we don't know how to do. And God says, cool, I don't need you. I'm okay with your doubt. I'm going to send an empty tomb to, to actually crush the doubt in you. God gave us the empty tomb so that we could have a second look at what faith in action actually looks like. Because Hebrews 11 tells me that faith says it is so, even when it's not so, so that it will be so. It is the substance of things not seen yet. The truth is, Jesus looked differently than Thomas had expected. Most miracles do. But it spoke directly to the limitation of his doubt. uh, The empty tomb spoke directly to his doubt. The reality is, too, my friends, sometimes we're not like Peter. We're not like Thomas or Mary. Sometimes we're like James, the brother of Jesus. James was raised in a religious household. He was raised around Jesus, but he needed a second look in order to see what was right in front of his face all those years, but he couldn't see it. I think one of the things, if we're honest, especially for those of us who may have grown up in the church, one of the things that keeps us from stooping in our humility and looking at Jesus differently is our belief that we already know who Jesus is. We had him around us our whole life. We grew up in his house. We've been at church my whole life. Pastor, I grew up under the pew. I know the secret handshake. You know what the secret handshake is, right? It's like giving the open heart, then it's a little wave, and then it's shooting the bow and picking the grapes, and then it's a little charismatic jig. That is the secret handshake. You've got it now. You know. I know who Jesus is. I'm good. Really? Because 1 Corinthians fifteen seven says, Jesus The resurrected Jesus showed up to James. They name him by name. Why? Because if the brother of Jesus needed a second look, God knew you and I would too. Because the Jesus we knew may be the suffering Savior, but he is now the resurrected Lord of all. My friends, we need to keep taking a second look and a second look and a second look and a second look. And every time our pride rises up, it says, I got it figured out. We need to get on our knees and say, God, forgive me. Give me a different look of Jesus. It doesn't matter whether you are raised under the pew, it matters that you are raised to be pure, worshiper of Jesus. How about Peter? The rock, the mighty one, Hallelujah. He had come to the tomb. He'd even had time and taken time to stoop down. He even saw the linen folded up, which, he should have remembered, was an Acumen. He saw the empty tomb. But he missed the miracle. You and I can take a second look and still miss the miracle. Why? Because the truth is, we can take a second look and still see it through the lens of what we have done to disappoint God. Maybe worse, what we have done to disappoint ourselves in trying to not disappoint God, and we miss. The message of God's miraculous grace in the empty tomb. This is why, come on, Peter, it's like, I'll never deny you. I'll die for you. They'll never take you. Not as long as I live. And then a little girl, a little girl near a campfire gets this big bad Peter to deny Jesus. This is why Jesus shows up again and again and again and again to Peter. At least four different times, Jesus shows up just to Peter until he finally gets it through his head that God loves him enough and accepts him to be intimate with him. Come on. How many of us are hard-headed? How many, times does, how many times does God have to do the same thing over and over and over? You hear the same sermon over and over and over and get the knock in your head over and over. Finally, we get, thank God, God is persistent. Thank God He passionately pursues you and I. Thank God He doesn't give up on our knuckleheadedness. Like, come on, if you got no other reason to praise, somebody should have stood up and said, thank God He's persistent in His pursuit of me. I praise Him. It takes four times to tell them that guilt and condemnation are part of the old covenant. But the resurrected king has come to give us a living hope. Before Peter can write it down and actually get it. Where he writes it to everyone and says, look, praise be to God in 1 Peter 1.3. Praise be to God who through the resurrected Jesus has given us a living hope. Into an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. This morning, my friends. We need to ask ourselves, what shrouds our eyes from seeing him in our daily situations? What keeps us in the presumption that this is just the way things are? Unwilling to stoop down, to humble ourselves, to take a second look. Is it the things in the natural, like the stone stone? that seems so immovable in our life, that unmovable boss, that unchanging spouse, that empty bank account, that unrelenting doctor's report. Or maybe, like Mary, it's the shroud of mourning, mourning your past, mourning what could have been, the shroud of sadness or of guilt or of condemnation, the things lost or hope displaced. Come on, my friends. Do you know that morning the ladies went to do their duty at the empty tomb? They went to do what was right and anoint his body. They went to deal with their grief and loss in the best human way possible. But God had a different plan. Thank God that he does not not rely on you and I to figure it out to work through our own loss, to travel and journey through it on our own. God has a different plan, my friends. It requires a second look, a second look at intimacy with Jesus, a second look at intimacy with the resurrected King. Come on, the reality is God didn't need to give us an opportunity for a second look. Death, sin, and hell were already paid for at the cross. God could have simply resurrected Jesus, seated Him in heaven, and had the angels testify about the miracle he had done that in the old testament time and time again god used the angels to tell about the testament why did he do it different because god wanted to give us a second look at jesus a second look at come on jesus this second look shows the goodness of God, the grace of God. He's not just a God of the second chance, He's a God of the second look. This isn't simply about seeing His power, it's about seeing His compassion for us. Because the resurrection is about the world needing a second look. The world needs it. What they saw in Jesus is what our generation sees in Jesus a good teacher, a good man a good philosopher, a good way of life, a man full of morality, but God gave them something that they had never seen before. A second look at who He really was. The risen Savior. The resurrected Lord. The King of kings and Lord of lords. Not a man who knew God, but a man who was God. Not a collector of our mistakes, but a Savior of our sins. Not an unlucky innocent crushed by the wheels of justice, but the Lamb of God who gave His life so that we could have God's mercy. The empty tomb is a second look for all the. sin the faithfulness of our God in the land of the living not just heaven the land of the living my God is faithful it's the place my friends that we can come to to move from encountering a story to awakening in our spirit the place that we can come to to change our position from being a follower of a religion to a disciple of Jesus moving from working through it to worshiping him in the midst of it. See, God desired to give humanity a second look at his plan for us in creation. Do you remember in Genesis chapter 3, verse 24, the Bible says, After the first Adam fell, did his own thing, disobeyed God and fell, he was removed from the garden. God removed him from the possibility to have intimacy with him. He shut the door, and at the door of the garden, he set an angel with a flaming sword. It was impossible for man to get back towards and open that door. But because of God's love, he sends the second Adam to give us a second look at hope. A second look at intimacy with Him, at a life in the garden with God. So God rolls away the stone and opens the door and doesn't set an angel there to tell us to get out. He sends angels there to tell us to come in. What an amazing God we serve. Look at what He's saying At the empty tomb, it's not get away. You better stand back. I'm going to strike you down. It is an open-armed God that sees you like the prodigal daughter or son running back to him. And he runs with arms wide open. He doesn't send an angel to slay you. He sends an angel to invite you back. See, humanity had presumed that we would always be sons of Adam. I guess... This is as good as it gets, is the cry of our generation. We presumed we'd always have to live under the curse of the fall. But there was a miracle in the awakening. There was a miracle in the empty tomb. See, the truth is, no man could get the angel to move out of the way. Only the true king had the power and authority to stride out of that tomb and tell the angel to open the door and get out of the way because God is now moving again. He doesn't want to kick men out. He wants to bring men and women in. He doesn't want to slay them. He wants to bless them. He doesn't want to curse them. He wants to encourage them. That is what happens in this moment. The door that had been closed because of the fall of man has been reopened by the resurrected man, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. The door of intimacy with God to holiness you and I could never accomplish on our own. A door to a life filled with the resurrected power of the resurrected King. That is what the empty tomb is. That's what the resurrected King has created. A second look at holiness, a second look at a relationship, a real one with God, a real God, in a real way, living in a real world, not woohoo, not crazy, not not sequestered, secluded, but intimacy with a real God, living in this real world, in a real way, with real people. That's what the empty tomb says. That's why Jesus can say in John 10, verse 9, I am the door. The Father opened the door. And the angel invited us in. So maybe, my friends, it's time to stoop down, to humble ourselves a bit, to realize that if we're honest, We've made some pretty big assumptions and some pretty limiting assumptions about God, about His Word, about His church, about His will for our lives, and maybe, just maybe today, maybe we can take the invitation to take a second look at who He really is. At how far he was willing to go to get to you and to me. What he had to go through to break the chains that shackled us to cynicism and oppression and doubt and fear and shame and disbelief and fear and sin. Stop for a moment. Look what he did just to get your attention. Look what he went through just to let you know that even though your circumstance may tell you God doesn't love you, look at my actions towards you. The empty tomb deserves a second look. Jesus deserves a second look. I'm going to end in a second, but the thing that blew my mind that I love so much is this moment that Peter writes in 1 Peter 1.12. He says this, angels stoop down, same word, angels stoop down. They long, they long, they long to stoop down and look into the things of intimacy with God that we have. What? What? Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait. It's like, there's like eight words. What did that just say? Angels have been and will be in front of Jesus at the throne, worshiping Him 24-7. They are in Shekinah glory. They are in the midst of heaven itself. And the Bible says they long to stoop and look into the intimacy that we can have with Jesus. What a privilege God has given us today, church, to take a second look into all those things that heaven longs to look into. Maybe, just maybe, no matter how many times you've heard the story, maybe, just maybe, no matter how long you think you've known him, maybe, just maybe, no matter how much you think your past or what you've done disqualifies you from him, maybe today, like Mary, we can just change our position for a moment. We could say, maybe I don't have it all figured out. I don't see it all right. I know because I've made so many wrong decisions that I thought were right when I made them. And maybe take a second look what God was trying to tell us in this empty tomb. I'm not against you, my daughter. I'm for you. I don't want to shun you. I want to save you. I don't want you to have to carry this burden alone. I want to carry it for you. Let me ask this last question before we go right now right here when you look at Jesus who do you see in your heart truly answer the question to yourself who is he what are the limitations that you've put on God because you presumed something about him that he is not actually saying about you we all have them. But today is the day to get free from them. The tomb is empty. He's not just a suffering savior. He is a resurrected king. He doesn't want us to work through it. He wants us to worship him in the midst of it. God forgive me. I've done it my own way so many times. And I've got it wrong. Open my eyes to see who you are today. Let me understand that the empty tomb is not a story. It's not a moment. It's a miracle. And that miracle wants to awaken something in my spirit. So forgive me and fill me. Today I choose to walk through that open door. Come on, church, that's what we're going to pray right here, right now. This whole message, this whole moment, this whole empty tomb announcement has been an invitation to walk in. Don't stand outside. I'm just going to pray. And I'm going to invite you to pray with me. And if you're here today and you can honestly say you know what i've I, i've known this story or i've known about jesus or maybe i i've even known jesus like mary and peter and james thomas did but if i'm honest i'm staying on the outside i'm i'm worshiping him from afar I, i'm not sure i can trust him i i don't really know what god wants to do in my life but then you heard this message today you're willing to take a second look at his grace and his mercy and his love his compassion towards you you heard the truth that Jesus said I am the door and if you come into me I'll enter into you you'll find hope and salvation and forgiveness and life abundant my friends come in enter the door say yes to the invitation Jesus has made it that easy. If we confess Him as Lord with our mouth and believe that what He did on the cross and in the resurrection was enough, the Bible says today we'll be saved. Today. Today a new life will start. Today. And maybe... Maybe you've been like Peter, man, You this is your fourth or fifth or 14th Easter service that you've been to in church because a friend here or a grandma there or an aunt brought you and keeps bringing you because they've been praying for you and they've been believing for you. My friends, just like Peter, it may have been the fourth or the fifth or the 55th time, but today is the day that you know that you know Jesus loves you, Jesus has opened the door for you, and it's time for you to step fully in, not one foot in or one foot out, but to get inside the door to come on into the empty tomb and experience him this is the moment my friend to just say yes to Jesus so we're going to pray if that's you come on say yes say dear Lord Jesus here I am today I'm standing at your tomb I thank you for rising again I thank you for giving me a chance at hope Today I choose to respond to your invitation and say yes, I'm fully coming in. I'm asking you Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. To forgive me of all my sin for all the times I've got it wrong. Shatter my grief. Shatter my shame. Fill me with your spirit make me your child from this day forward and forevermore i choose to live full on for jesus christ i'm not looking back and i'm not going back i'm choosing today to live for your glory and yours alone in jesus name Amen, and amen, and amen, and amen. Come on, give God some glory for changed lives today. Hope restored. Salvation found. Woo! Come on, Jesus. The tomb is empty, but we get to fill it up with praise. It doesn't matter how Mary came. It matters how Mary left. It didn't matter how Peter came. It mattered how Peter left. It didn't matter how Thomas thought. It mattered how Thomas left. It didn't matter how John came. It mattered how John left. It doesn't matter how you came today. But it does matter how we leave. Look, look, You heard me say in the beginning of this, that we can't do this thing alone, right? We need each other. Now I'm gonna ask two things before we go today. I'm gonna ask that if you made that decision today, whether it's the first time, or maybe it's the 100th time, but today you're making it for real in your life. Myself, Pastor Rick right over here, we're gonna be back at these tables afterwards. Just come, just talk to us for a moment. We have some books we'd love to give you, some resources, even if you're a teenager, we have books for teenagers as well. Maybe your teenager is here in middle school, take one for them. Just to help you walk out this thing, this decision you made. Because my friends, this, just like for Mary, for Peter, for James, for Thomas, for John, the empty tomb was not the end of the story, it was just the beginning. Your decision, to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus, it's not the end, it's just the beginning. So we wanna help you on that, on that link tree, that link that I told you about before, the QR code that you'll see all around the building. It will tell you how to get connected to Forged, which is our men's discipleship groups. They're all online. And our shoulder to shoulder, our ladies' discipleship groups, all online. You don't have to have it all figured out. That's why we have these groups. And if you're worried that, I don't, know, I'm not, I don't know enough of the Bible, come to the groups. Neither do we. It's all right. We're learning this thing together. But you can't do it alone. If you could do it alone, you would have figured it out a long time ago. You and I both know we have made a lot of bad decisions that we thought were right because we presumed and that became our limitation. Today, when you go home today, Just sign up. We don't have Forge or Shoulder to Shoulder this week because it's Easter week and we know families have vacations with kiddos. But make a decision today, not just to be saved, but to be a disciple of the Savior. It'll change you. Thank you for letting me share this word with you. Thank you for coming. Your time matters to me. Your attention matters, it's an honor. It's like a great meal served when you come to someone's house. It means they thought about you. They value you and that's what you do every time you come and let us speak into your life. You are bringing us a good meal. We hope we do the same thing for you. We hope that you'll take this meal that we gave you today and be unashamed to give it away to your friends. Listen to me, I'm not asking you, it would be great, but I'm not asking you just to invite your friends to church. That's awesome. I'm asking you to tell them about Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. Church won't save anybody. Like, don't get me wrong, like, here's the bottom line. I've told this to our church for years, and I want you to invite people, but listen to me when we just invite people to church without telling them to Jesus, they come to this moment right here and they go, yup, it is a cool church. And yup, they've got great seats. And yup, it is awesome. And yup, these are good people. And yup, I feel welcome. The church they told me about is right. But they leave unchanged. But when we tell them about Jesus and it comes to this moment, then something inside them goes, that's it. That's who they've been telling me about. That's who they've been taught. To- That's who they've been with. That's who they've been sharing with me about. That's the Jesus. I get it now. I get why they're that way. I get why they have the handshake. Pick the grips to the jig. I get it. Before we leave, or as we leave, I'm gonna encourage you to do one more act of worship and that's just simply to give an offering to God. This is your church, this is your church home. We believe in tithe and offering because as you hear, we believe, we want to make a difference in our community. And to be honest, that's how we do it. There's no secret fund, there's no millionaires Funding everything that we do, it's men and women like us that say, man, I've been changed and I want to be a part of someone else's change. There's a thousand ways you can do it. There's these envelopes that are there. You can fill them out and drop them in the gold kiosks. There's a QR code up there. I, I must have said QR code like 38 times. That QR code, you'll remember. QR code's up there. It's all good. Do it anyway. And end with this Peter said praise be to God who through the resurrection of Christ Jesus has brought us into a living hope and given us an inheritance that will not perish spoil or fade God is a giver and being a disciple of his just means we act like him When you do it, don't do it because I've asked you to. Do it in response to who he is. And then it doesn't matter whether it's a little or a lot because it's not about the size of the gift, it's about the worship of the giver. The Bible says that there was a widow, she gave two mites and Jesus said, look at her, she's given more than everybody else today. What a God we serve. Maybe, just maybe, it's time to take a second look at everything with Jesus. Our time, our talents, our treasure, our tithe, our testimony maybe they're all worth a second look. Can we stand together today? Did you receive anything today? And I really encourage you at the end of the day. Look, we're not trying to, I'm not trying to wow you with theological understanding. Our goal in this church is to help you walk this thing out every day because this thing is real life. What did you hear me say in the middle of this moment? God is looking for real people to worship a real God in a real way in a real world. That's it. Pastor, I don't know what God wants. He wants you to be a real person living in a real world, worshiping a real God in a real way. Yeah, but I I have this job. He wants you to be a real person living in a real world that He created. Worshiping a real God in a real way. And when we do that, maybe, just maybe, like Mary, our lives will change. Let's pray. Oh, hallelujah. King of kings and Lord of lords. Master, Savior. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. My prayer today is that there may be a passion inside of us even greater than the angels who long to stoop down and look into the intimacy that we can have with you. I pray today that you open our eyes and Encourage our spirit and give us the boldness to to take a second look at who you are. Open our ears to hear you. Open our hearts to receive you. Give us courage to say yes when our fear says no. In the name of Jesus, I pray that the Spirit begins to stir and awaken something powerful in this house, Lord God, in every person, in every child, in every teenager. Lord God, we are believing for your Spirit to stir like in the valley of dry bones that the dead things begin to live, that an army begins to arise, that a, that, that praise begins to usher up from us to you. Lord God, shatter our presumptions. Loose us from our limitations. Help us to stand and know who you are. And Daddy, if need be, like Thomas, come through the wall. Like Peter, come knocking time and time and time again to us who are hard-headed. Get it. Because, Jesus, what we really want is not to live in a good religion, to have just a better life. We want to know you and the fullness thereof. Holy Spirit, move. I pray a blessing on every person in this place. The resurrection power of the Holy Spirit to fill us. The glory of the King surround us. That he will order our footsteps as he orders the footsteps of the righteous. That his spirit may proceed before us and his miracles may follow us. And that his goodness and mercy may hunt us down. That we may worship him with everything we've got and be all in. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you church. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day. We'll see you next week. It's going to be a great service.